0: Don't just live life, make life boom.
1: Hi everybody, it's D She for another episode of the Might Drop Club. Today, this is part two of our three-part series whereby we are going to be discussing mental health issues and how best we can support people that have gone through some of these challenges and, tra- and traumas in their life. So, as we kicked off the first one from a parent's perspective, she had um, um, my colleague Tracy Page. She was talking candidly about her experience supporting her daughter with, with a mental health illness, her, her challenges navigating the mental health system, her her fears, her worries, dealing with the loss in terms of her role as a parent. She felt like she let down her child, and also the goals that she had for a parent. To her child Those things had to be changed Until she got to a stage Whereby she accepted That this is what's happened So today I'm very fortunate I have Gert Bettinger here You know He's author of a book Moving uh, Moving Moving forward By Standing Still No no. No? Yeah that's it Moving on Sorry I do stand corrected Moving on by Standing Still I should know it much better Because I've read the book Back to back Several times And And like you I have it here Fun of (laughs) me, yeah, yeah. So, um, this this book is not your ordinary book, as as it as it were. This is a book that um Gert will go into some detail in terms of why he wrote the book and um, the messages within the book in terms of what he wants to instill to the caring profession, as it were. But I have to say, it is a fundamental book that I think all health and social care professionals, anybody that's caring for somebody that's gone through some sort of trauma you try to understand your children's behaviour, you pick up that book because it's written in plain English. You know, the prevalence of uh, mental health is stark. Um, It's very stark and it can get get very dark out there. You might feel like you're alone when you're looking at various behaviours exhibited by your your child or or even young adults or adults, you know, um, learning disabilities, um, early onset schizophrenia, all of these um, different type of conditions Behaviour is something that a lot of people just gravitate to Um, the child is kicking off and, you know, and they want to deal with the behaviour instead of understanding the deeper level. So without no further ado, I want to introduce Gert Bettinger to the conversation. And first of all, welcome. Thank you very much for lending you, and lending us your time for this show. How are you doing? Hi,
2: Douglas. thank you for inviting me to the show. Uh Before I start, I want to excuse for my bad English because I'm not from England, I'm just a Dutch guy, a Dutch boy, so sometimes maybe my my English is not so good, excuse me for that. You
1: don't need to apologise, you're doing far better than most (laughs) (laughs) here.
2: Okay, nice to meet you again, Uh, we met last year. Indeed. In London. Uh, yes, it was a nice meeting in your house and with your back nice family. Thank you very much. So, you. I, and I now you're making a podcast. So I'm glad to talk with you again.
1: Brilliant. Brilliant. So in terms of the book itself, um, just take it back to the beginning. Um, what was the motivation behind the book?
2: Uh, that was a long time ago. It was. Uh, now I'm sixty-seven years old, and when I was about ten years old, I was uh, abused by my uncle. sexually abused, and that is the starting of my view, looking uh, in a different way to so-called problem behavior, because as a child I, I showed a lot of problem behavior, and I was punished for that. I was uh, the people thought I was a bad boy because I didn't listen, I didn't do the things right, so, but under that under that behavior there was something painful and something very uh, bad. So I, as I told you, I, I was called a problem child, but I'm not a problem child. I was a child with problems, and for me that's really a big difference, Indeed so. you can imagine. Mm Indeed, indeed, indeed. So
1: I'm just looking at some statistics here, and I'll put the information up on the show notes in terms of the source of this material, but it's rather frightening when statistically it shows that one in six men are sexually abused of of some kind. Only 16% of men um, have that documented in their medical notes of sexual abuse, which means it's very very serious considering the effects are not known and it has an impact on how they... Mature as adults as well, and I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done in that area. And I think your book, sparking that conversation, and your you could talk so candidly about what you went through, you know, can help in that situation. Yes, but it's,
2: it's not it's not a book uh, about sexually, sexually abusing. It's a book about uh, looking at behavior. Uh, but your, your first question was how it started, mm-hmm. so that was the basic of my view. Uh, Uh, But I don't feel like a victim, Uh, I don't behave like a victim, but for me it's a red, we call that the red, uh, how you call it, red thread, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a red thread through my life, Uh, because uh, after I studied I was a nurse with uh, developmental children, uh, disabilities, uh, disabilities for children. And I, I work as a social worker and I work as a teacher, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And I met often very very much people who were called as problem behavior clients yes. or patients. Yes. And I never liked this word because for me it's it's, it's uh, not a not a problem behavior. It's signal behavior. We have to look to look behind that behavior. Not to judge, but don't judge. try to understand what the meaning is of the behavior because many people don't have other opportunity to to, to tell or to express what is wrong inside. Yeah. So, um, I, now I work a lot with people with dementia, I work a lot with people with uh, the disabilities. and also people with dementia who have no voice, Yes. They are shouting or they are hitting or whatever, and then they will give them pills, but don't give them pills because something is wrong inside the person. Yes. It is very, very important to, to to look at that behavior that way. Don't judge. Just try to understand.
1: Yeah, and I can, I can testify as a professional that um, looking at behavior, sometimes the only thing that we have time to do because of stressed stressed resources, lack of staff, um, lack of training, even in fact, and conditioning. You know, there was talk about the patient being institutionalised, but also the staff that work within health and social care, they're also stuck in their own heads in terms of what they need to do to support somebody. So yes, when they see somebody exhibiting behaviour that is outside the norm or within the perceived norm, for that stereotypical uh-huh. condition, that's enough for them. They don't want to they don't want to or, or don't have the inclination to be a detective and try to um, decipher who is this person without the illness yes. without this yes, illness. Yes. what what is yes. That person.
2: <laughs> yes but what 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 I see more and more is that that uh, so called expert make a contact with the problem or make contact with the identified problem. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's more important to make contact with a person. Yeah. And it's much more difficult also for just for experts. It's very difficult to make contact with a person mm-hmm. because they know how to how to behave about uh, problems, uh, psychiatric problems, or, 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 or all kinds of problems. They know how to treat, they know how to, to answer that uh, uh, situation. But it's much more difficult to meet somebody who has no words. To meet somebody, really meet somebody, you know, there was more and more yes, the last two, three, two, three years, I think more and more, the, the best expert is the client himself. Yes. He is the real expert, I think.
1: Yeah, you know, I totally agree with that. You need to be applauded for that because it's, you have to be really brave as a clinician to give up your perceived power and give it to the patient and accept that... You're expert based upon your academic prowess. You've passed all the courses and now you're qualified. But the patient has that lived experience, which you will never, ever be able to attain that level of understanding. So it's yeah. about getting to that stage whereby you feel comfortable in relinquishing
2: power again. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, do you agree with me or... When I say it's much more difficult to have contact with the person instead of the problem, or professionals.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. you agree with that? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. It's a separation, again, because I guess when you are working from the health perspective or, or, or some sort of caring profession, you have, um, you have to meet certain obligations for the shift that you're working on in order for you to yeah. hand over to the next person what, what has happened. And, and that lack of um, coherent continuity of care, you know, between professionals, I think, gives rise to a lot of um, mistreatment. And it goes, it goes without saying that the person that is affected by that the most is going to be the patient. You know, they just happen to be the lowest common denominator in what we're talking uh, about, which is not the way it needs to be. We need to flip it. So uh, patients, uh, patients and uh, carers are more in control of the care that they're receiving.
2: Uh, you know, for uh, for about forty years, about forty years ago, I I I read a book, and it was about uh, guiding uh, starving people. Mm-hmm. And it was a, was a famous uh, doctor, and he wrote a book about how to guide starving people. You know, in the last uh, weeks or months of their lives. And there was one sentence, and it really hits me in the heart. And he said in that sentence, he said. It's the starving who is guiding me because he has the most experience in going to die. And, and this is really a marvelous um, uh, view, you know? It's the starving who is guiding me because he has the most experience how he's, because he's going to die. I think this must be our attitude to everybody. Yeah. It's the, the person with dementia, for example, who is guiding me because he knows, he feels how it is. To have dementia. Yes. You know, and as much, it's really, it's a marvellous uh, journey. That's the way I look at it. It's a marvellous journey to to join this, this person in his world and not to let him join in my world. Yeah. Because that, that's dangerous.
1: So do, is, do you have any interesting <laughs> techniques or what is your approach to um when you worked as a professional in supporting somebody underst- uh, coming from the background that you've got experience on both sides, you've had a um, traumatic um, situation happen and then you, you can you can see it from both sides. So, what is your approach as a professional in p- providing care and engaging with somebody?
2: How do you go about uh, doing that? Um, yeah, the, most of the professionals they they want results, you know. Somebody comes to him with a problem or with the with, with, with question and we as professionals we want to, to, to have result as soon as possible. Yeah. And somebody says, for example, I have a horrible headache all day. Okay, we want to help him by giving him by for example by giving him pills. Yes. Uh, but maybe he has headache because he feels alone. Maybe he has headache because etc. etc. So don't start with with uh, giving a solution. I think we have to to start to to start back and try to understand. Making contact costs a lot of time. Yeah, really indeed. costs a lot of time. It's, it's much more difficult to listen without judging, to listen without uh, saying how to do, etc., etc. But most of the of the, the the problems I I see in my in my daily uh, practice is. People feel lonely, people feel sad, people feel uh, outcast, accept- feel un, un- uh, uh, how we say, uh unaccepted, etc. Yes. But we don't we don't want to face that. It's much more difficult. So for me it's listening, I call it anti-listening. Sure. just try to make contact. It's much more it's it's it's, it's better. I, I, I no, I meet, I don't work. I last, last week I was in Bucharest, in Romania, and there was a girl, she had autism. And she, she told, um, in front of the audience, that 95% of the professionals didn't listen to her. 95%! That's shocking, 95%. It's shocking, yes. Uh, and the 5% who listened to her were her mother, and was a teacher. Uh-huh. not a, not not a professional so her mother listened to her and she was a very smart girl she was studying social social assistant in Romania and she had the people said 95 percent yes they don't listen they only hear what I say but they don't listen and for me it's it's it's, it's a gift to meet such a, a beautiful uh, uh, girl with this uh, voice because she can tell. And many people can't
1: tell that nobody listens. Sure. And so what do you think is um I know I know it's on an individual basis, but what do you think are the thoughts of somebody that's going through some sort of trauma when they want to be heard and they're having the signaling behavior? What sort of things do you do you feel that they are trying to communicate through this through that your behavior?
2: Uh, it's not, it's not um, um, how it, a, a, a compact solution or a compact uh, way to do this uh, because um, you, you say uh, traumatic people, people with traumas, you, you, you talk about people with traumas, okay, let me, tell me, um, I have a trauma but I'm a tra- I am not a I am not a person with, with, with a trauma, I am healed with a trauma and that's the difference. You know what I mean. Mm. So you have to contact here. And here is is a is a unique person. He has a lot of, of doors mm. you have to unlock. And when you find the key from here, not from the trauma, not from the traumatic experience, but when you find the keys from here, then you can reach me also in my trunk. You can understand what I mean. Yeah, I think so. so
1: yeah. Yes? I, th- I think so. I think there's there's something in there about. Um, you you, you refer to it as reaching out. Um, Sometimes the behavior could be guarded. You know, like how do you shake hands with somebody with a clenched fist? It it, it is very difficult to do, but it's also being able to stay alive, Mm -hmm. um, conscious and awake to that. The person might open up in a period of time and don't take it personal to yourself. You know, sometimes you, you can greet somebody and the the outcome is not what you intended. You expect to get the greeting reciprocated. Like, hi Gert, I'm Douglas. And so if uh-huh. Gert doesn't say yeah. hi back, I can be offended. And that's that's me yeah. not recognizing or understanding
2: the, the, you, you 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 know you know when when I was when the, in the time that I was abused in the time that I felt very uh, lonesome uh, in our family because I had many problems with my mother so I, I, as I told you I, I showed the problem behavior um, I'm happy I didn't meet uh, an, a a counselor I'm happy I didn't meet uh, a psychologist you know who I met my uncle. I had an aunt Rose that really she was, and she aunt. only did one. Yeah, my aunt was the best professional to help me because you know why? Why is that? Because she said to me, "I don't know what's going on with you, but the way you behave, it isn't, it isn't not your way. I feel there's something going wrong, there's something painful or whatever in you. You know that was I never told her." what was happening at that period. But for me, she accepted me as a person with pain, and that was for me more important than judging always about my problem behavior. So that was the best help I could, I could get. So I wish everybody uh, in this world is aunt, wants to be Aunt Rose, not to solve, but just to give me a new uh, identity.
1: Okay. You know? Okay, and uh, then, and that rings that rings so true with the um the last guest I had on my show, and she was talking about as a parent getting to the stage whereby she accepted this is what's happening, and through that acceptance, she was able to engage and have a more humanistic conversation with her daughter, and out of that, uh, things started to uh, to move and real enlightenment, you know, mm-hmm. can come out of that. But when we don't accept and we are stuck w- within um, say the ICD-10 classification of diseases or uh, some scholar has decided that you have to treat somebody with a certain ailment in this particular way, we we lose that ability to accept the, the differences. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. Um, in terms of your book, you, you talked about being in Romania um yes. in China as well. I'm conscious of that. What was that like yes. in, in, in terms of the Netherlands? Or how they how is the system set up to support people going through um trauma or, or tragedy um, um situations? Yes. Um, yeah, you, you know my book. My book is is is, is
2: not a professional book, it's not a ba- big it's not a, a telepathic uh, words or whatever, not difficult words, it's basic. Yes, it it's basic and and what's happening in the Netherlands, and now it's happening in China, and, and Romania, and whatever. More and more, uh, I, I met a lot of people in the Netherlands, uh, very high educated people, psychiatrists, heriatrics, uh, et etc. et cetera. And more and more they say, um, we have to go back to the ground. We have to go to the normal conditions as the, the just make relationship with the person. Yeah. Um, uh, there is a movement going on, I, I feel, there is a movement going on. Stop to be so high in your, in your thinking because it, it's, it's not, it's not uh, bad you do, but never forget you are a person in the first place. So, this book, um, uh, I was invited to, to come to Romania because somebody uh, read this book in Romania and English and uh, they, want, they want some knowledge for their, for their for education. They, they want a curriculum for, for people with dementia and for people with developmental disabilities. Uh, they want to start a curriculum at the university. And now they read my book and they translated the book because they see we don't need the high, the most high educated professional. Of course we need, but not only that. It starts with the basic. Yes and 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 that's how my book is called now also in in China it's a basic book. It's not a bible for for all the the solve of problems it's a it's a basic attitude and I'm proud of that No, you should because, be and you should be
1: because it's a fantastic book and as you're being how do how how can I frame this um okay. Sometimes, not sometimes, in this instance, in, in this time, in are fast approaching 2020, a lot of the mental health practices and caring practices in general have gone too high up. Okay. Yeah. So the, the, there is an opportunity for us to re-educate the educators. Yeah. And I think that's what that yeah. I think that's what your book is, is a vehicle for re educating the educators. Because somehow along the line, they've gone too far into their heads and gone into the sky, into the clouds without looking down at to the actual, what's actually happening with the patients at hand. So it's obviously because the patients, and, the, and then, then we don't like to call them patients in mental health in the UK. We do struggle with the terminology. and We try and call uh-huh, it different things, service Thank users. Um, what else do we call them? Service users. uh well, a whole host of different things. They'll, they'll come to me in, in a minute, but that's not the point. The point is, any individual that's going through um, a challenging situation presents uh-huh. a tremendous opportunity for raising awareness to that situation, to that uh-huh. condition. Uh-huh. And I don't think that's been tapped into. Enough, because uh, the, the medical model will feed into that straight away. Yeah, and then, yeah. then, then you've got the pharmaceutical industry there that want to peddle a lot of medication, a lot of drugs. Yes, sometimes it's needed in emergency situations. We understand that. But yeah, by yeah. you need to understand what's the motive to take the medication in the first place? And is it yeah. actually helping the person live the lifestyle that they want to okay.
2: Of course, when you are in a deep depression or whatever, medication uh, medication can help you. It's like you, when you are bleeding, you put some some thing on your on your on your on that wound on that wound. Of course, I'm not against uh, medication. I'm not against professionals. I'm not against high educated professionals. No, I, but I want to work with them together. You know, but uh, I, I, I give you a very smart uh, example. I, I was in a, in a nursery home for dementia people, and there were uh, psychologists and there were nurses, etc. And, and there was also the cleaning, the cleaning woman. She, she was she was also working in that in that um, institution. And i talked to the cleaning woman and the cleaning the cleaning woman met the person with dementia every day and she was talking with, uh, with the client etc etc and she gave us a lot of information you know so also listen to the cleaning woman the cleaning woman is also in a relationship with her. so i'm not against professional i'm not uh, I, i'm not against anybody. anybody but let's also listen to the people who are nearby the person so so uh, with children, just listen to the parents. Yeah, you know, parents are are very good experts in the in how the children, how the child feels. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, sometimes, sometimes the parents need help, of course, because the child has has some problems he cannot uh, solve by themselves. But don't uh, put the parents outside the 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 the, the conference, the, the conversation. It's because an the idea. client is the expert, the the parents are also experts and please behave them, uh, be them as experts and not as just parents. Sure. Please, I'm
1: sure, and I'm, I I can I can recall many conversations with parents who have felt like that, like they were they were not listened to because again they understand. Yes. Oh, they, they yeah. understand their the, the child a lot better than the professionals meeting them for the first time and just looking at, as you call it, the behaviour, the signalling behaviour. Because signalling behaviour is something that is, con- is a constant thing, and being able to understand it and being able to approach it from a curious, a curious perspective, I think. I think health healthcare professionals need to be a lot more curious. I think they've they've lost that detective type. Um, um, mentality, where they really want to find out, and really, uh-huh. really are interested in people. You know, it's a people uh-huh. thing. You know, if you're not interested in people, yeah. you shouldn't yeah. be in the care profession because sitting down yeah. and not and uh, just having absolutely. a conversation it should be
2: a highlight of your day. Uh-huh. When, when you ask a psychiatrist, for example, uh, what was the starting point you 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 want to study for this job? He said, "I want to work with people." That is the first what they say. Why you are a nurse? I want to work with people. Yes. So that that is the starting point. I don't want to work with techniques or, or mathematics. I want I want to work with people. Yes. So try to so work with people again. Uh, I, I, but when I meet uh, I, I meet a lot of psychiatrists um, uh, all the time, and more and more we are listening to each other. So so go back to why you why you started. Yeah, yeah. Go, go back to basics,
1: as you say. Why did you start this? The why is, is, is a, it's a fundamental question. Sometimes we can lose yeah. that over time. So this book that you you you've written, how many years old now is it? Two years? Six hundred. <laughs> six hundred. Yeah, six hundred years in the making. <laughs> I, I, I can totally get that. Um, but no, it, uh, it's, it's, it's,
2: it's, in the Netherlands, it's about five years now, and okay. in, in English, it's about. Two years now. Uh, yes. And now in the Netherlands, we see uh, more people are going to buy the book again. Yeah. Because, as I told you, there's a movement going on, uh, the high educated uh, people who want to start again in the basics. So, yeah. Okay. And in China now it's two months, and in Romania is one month. Oh, okay. And probably next year in Germany.
1: Yeah, see yeah, that's, that's been your your book is traveling and it's taking you across the world, meeting interesting yeah. people, um, spreading that yeah. word in terms of um addressing yeah. the behavior, which is which is the fundamental, the crux of it. Has anything changed since you wrote the book that um maybe maybe you want to um insert in a new edition as as you've seen things on a much more global level and and can process the changes? Are they the same across the world, across Europe, um Europe and in China, or are they, are they different? What are these nuances out there that we can learn from and grow?
2: Uh, I don't know if I understand you well. Um, you know, if I understand you well, I think that, uh, that uh, if I come in China or Romania or, what, or England or wherever, or in Bolivia, I, I, I'm, I was very often in Bolivia, South America, and I met very many vulnerable people, and um, for me they are the same. Of course, the culture is different. Mm. China is a complete different culture. And people with developmental disabilities—you don't see them. They are hiding away. Mm. In, in Romania, also you don't see these these children or these people. They are hiding away um, um, because they feel ashamed. Uh, parents feel ashamed. Uh, the, the community feels ashamed. That is a difference. Um, but when you when you talk with people, I, I met some people, uh, some parents with uh, with, uh, with their children, and and when you talk with the parents, they have the same problems, the same feelings. How how it must go on in the future? When I when I when I die, what's about my child when I die? You see, in China, the same questions. Um, they are uh, global. Mm. The system is different. The, the 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 how to pay everything is different. But there is a need in all the countries. There is a need of um, how I say try to look at people in a different way as you look till now. You that's, that's what I see. Yeah. I see. You know, my my book is five years old. And I often get the question: Do you write a new book or a second book? Uh, I can tell you this This book is up-to-date
1: every day. For me, it's it's, it's amazing. that It's completely up-to-date. Yeah, it it, it is up-to-date. It's very, very relevant, and it's on the pulse of all the major issues that you have to um, consider and um, try to adapt. Um, If you were to write another book, first of all, I'm taking it to another um, direction, what would the title of that book be? And the second part of the question is, how did you come up with the title for this book in the first place? Moving on by standing still. How did you come up with that title, and what will be the title of part two, two and a half, whatever the case would be? Well,
2: <laughs> I don't write. I don't write the second book. No, I don't. I don't want to write. You don't want book. to. You're not being compelled to. No? no. Okay. No, I don't want to write. <laughs> Maybe I make a cinema movie. No, no. <laughs> I don't write the second book. Um, the title of the of this book yes. um um moving on by standing still and um, before you you move you have to listen before mm. you go on you have to wait yeah before yeah, that is that is the attitude it, 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 it gives you the, the attitude when you want to move on first and, uh, yeah, okay so yeah I, I, and this title in Chinese, they can't, they, they can't. Translate? No, 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 no. What's, what's the translation in, in Chinese? In China, they, they, we had two weeks over and out, over and then go, um, uh, email contact about the title, and every at the time they say, no, it's not a good title. And then for many evens, even even, they can't translate. But it's an attitude. Yeah. Um, before you, before you go, I, I don't, I don't have to explain to you, but I promise you, I never will write a second book because this book, for me, it's, it's like I told you, it's for it, 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 me it's, um not proud, but for me, it's a key to meet people. Yes, that is that is for me the most important uh, value for me personally. Yes. me a key to meet people I never uh, should
1: meet. Could could meet well. Sure, sure. And was it cathartic for you as you were writing it? Did um, you did you bring a part of your own personal personality, your own personal history to that? And said, Do you know, if I could write to to me or to the support that I should have been having at the time when all these um things were going on in my life, I would have had a better outcome. Or things could have been different. Is that how you wrote it, the? the what was the angle that you actually pitched it at when you were
2: putting it It had to do because I was teaching nursing education, social work ed- uh, uh, education, and uh, we had inter how you call it, uh, with the students. Okay. They brought, they brought a case study in, in the okay. classroom, and, and most of the stuff, uh, there is a problem. This person blah blah blah. This like this. just like that. So most a, a, a case study in a class started as a problem. Um, and for me, it it triggered every time that word problem uh, because it's important to know what the problem is. But, this, but the even important to know is for whom is it the problem. Wow, that can you say that again? Yeah, because you yeah. got that
1: that, that. that is fundamental. Is. Um, there's a problem or we could call it a challenge but who is the problem challenge for yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. and I, yeah. Uh, that that rings so many bells in the uk when talking about health and social care system you know people have problems people go through challenges but we tend to say actually it's a challenge for managing this individual on my shift that's a uh-huh. that's the challenge and we've failed uh, to understand that you know it's actually first and foremost a challenge for the individual that they're going through, and asking yourself the questions: How can I support you on that journey to to um, come out the other side and be able to manage and recover from whatever issue yeah, or situation yeah, that you're dealing with? Wow, that, yeah, no, yeah. that I, 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 I'm going to take that. That's that is that is my mic drop for for me. That that is so fundamental. Who is this problem? Who is this for? You know, is the owner of the problem.
2: Yeah, the the ownership.
1: Ownership, Ownership because in health, we talk about, um, before we do anything, we we like to know who has the authority. Who has the authority to make the decision, right? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And then after that, we're going to then look down to, okay, fine. Who then is accountable for the action? Yeah? Uh Yeah, who's accountable? Uh So someone gives me authority Uh to do X, Right? so <laughs> Someone gives me the authority to X. Am I accountable for the result of X? And lastly, what is my responsibility then? You know, so, you, uh-huh. so you've got those things, those hierarchies, hierarchical structures that are always uh-huh. playing the mind of the care professional. You've got the authority yeah. figure. They're the ones that set the rules, the boundaries, and how you're supposed to operate, isn't it? Then you've got ultimate accountability. You as a professional know that, oh my God, if I don't do something in line to the governance, the protocol, the procedure, all of that kind of stuff, I'm going to be held responsible. (laughs) And yeah, I could potentially lose my registration, my PIN, my ability to practice. So (laughs) these are the things that um, we grapple with, but we shouldn't have to grapple with them if we go back to basics. Is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I can see you're I'm getting very enthusiastic about this. Uh, oh my God, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting animated. good, get, You know, when, when we when we talk and we, we've we delivered um, training to um, care professionals before in the UK, we've, we've co-delivered them together. And one uh, thing I can say to the listeners out there that when we get together, um, we bring the fire because fire is one of the substances <laughs> that one, anything it touches will not be the same after. Okay, and when you've had this session with Gert and myself, we will really address some of those um, topics, those challenges a lot of books do not address. I mean, what's actually happening and um, you gave a, a fantastic practical exercise to the group. Do you want to give a description to that that the exercise you did to the group? Um, we had wow. about 30 nurses there. Um, there were second year, second year students and we were going through some sort of um, practical exercises them to raise their awareness of sickling and behaviour. Do you want to talk through some of the examples that we did that day?
2: Yes, yes, it was nice to work together. Uh, Like like this conversation is also nice. But there's not not a conversation I like, it is you I like, and that is the first, uh, and then the conversation is 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 logical, but I like you, so the conversation is also very nice. Um maybe we have to stop, guys, because it's uh, half an hour now. And oh my
1: God, <laughs> we're breaching the time. So, I was, uh, very quickly, I understand and I do appreciate your time. Um, in terms of, I was just going to go back in terms of the examples we did to raise awareness, whereby you do a lot of role playing as a patient uh-huh. or as a p- the perceived patient, and you ask the, the nurses, the student nurses, to give their opinion, how best they could support you. What is the behavior saying? And uh, I think in the next show, what we'll do is we we'll actually talk through some of those scenarios because they were really, really interesting because how you were feeling, how you, the, the, the patient you're portraying and the care that was being delivered, um, being offered to you was not helpful. <laughs> and this is what it's about because we were here to, to fulfill, um, facilitate a task um, to help people get better, to improve their life so, Gert, it's late. Is in um in Netherlands. It's what ten thirty now.
2: Yes, yes, yeah. Yes. So
1: I think it's time for your cocoa. Um, <laughs> th- thank you very much for spending the time. Um, have yeah. Have a brilliant week. Okay.
2: Okay. Yeah, it was a meeting you, Douglas. We meet. We meet soon again. Yes. Yeah? Okay. Cool. Cool. All right. Thank you. bye Bye. Danke. Bye. Bye. Danke. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <Take> Danke. <laughs> <laughs> bye. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out MikeDropClub.com and get the show notes and useful links. Subscribe to the podcast. Don't just live life, make life boom.